Welcome to My Business Playbook, where we pull back the curtain on the steps and missteps of successful people. You'll hear a raw and unfiltered play-by-play of what's worked and what hasn't, giving you helpful advice and insights so you can create an amazing business. I'm your host, Laura Higgins, and this is My Business Playbook. Hello and welcome back to My Business Playbook. It is so good to be with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, in this conversation, I am joined by interior designer and stylist Kelly Howard, who has created her own signature style, which she describes as raw coastal luxe. She's also known for her innate ability to push design boundaries. Now, if you're on Instagram or if you're on Pinterest, you have likely seen her beautiful Mediterranean style home, Bajo El Sol. This beach house is kind of famous on social media. Now, we are talking all things about how she started her creative business, her secret source for building her Instagram following, how Kelly balances being a single mom and growing her business at the same time. This conversation is really raw and honest, and I know that you're going to love it. Kelly also has her new course, Behind the Brand, which she has just launched, which is about helping interior designers to actually build their own brand and build their Instagram audience, particularly online, so that they can really get their dream clients. I'm so excited for this conversation. You're going to love it. Let's dive in to my chat with the wonderful Kelly Howard. Well, Kelly, it is so good to be with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to chat with you about how you built your business and to get some sweet, sweet business tips from you. But firstly, tell me about your business. What do you do and and how did you start? Oh, gosh, I do so many things. I don't know if you've ever looked into human design, but I'm a manifesting generator, so I'm meant to have a million and one things going on at once. Um, but yes. I basically, I'm an interior designer. I live on the Gold Coast, so I work with residential and commercial clients. I've also moved into the mentoring space and working with other interior designers on their business. I love doing brand collaboration. So last year I actually designed a furniture collection with a local brand, which was so much fun. It was such a passion project. I don't love the idea of doing all the manufacturing and the research. So I just got to put my creative design eye to the products, um, which was so much fun. So yeah, lots of different things going on, but I definitely wouldn't have it any other way. And it's so cool. So I started following you because you had a beautiful home. <laughs> and so talk to us about your home. So Bajo El Sol, mm-hmm. and I'm, I feel like I've pronounced that correctly. Talk, yes, winning. Talk to me about your house because you've just designed this dream home. And uh, like, I'm really curious about whether how your Instagram kind of grew from there, or if you already kind of had a bit of a following, like talk to me about that journey. How did that all come about? Yeah. So when I started building the house or just prior to that, I really wanted to document it. I'm a single mum and feeling like I had this community supporting me and watching along on the journey and being able to share that experience was just so exciting to me. So I had an old account, which had, I think about 1300 followers. So I just deleted everything, set up um, the account for the house and just started documenting it, which was 
Yeah, it's so cool. And it's funny because now that account has grown and it's I've changed it to my name. I had so much resistance to that at the time because I thought, you know, there's people that have followed me for a year and loved the content of the house and me sharing tours and even when I used to come to the house to see the progress, I wouldn't even look around at first. I'd just start recording and do it, you know, in the moment, sort of seeing everything for the first time. And then once the house was built, I thought, are people actually going to be interested in me as a person? Because I hadn't really shared much about myself. It really was just about the house. But it just shows you how much power is behind really sharing who you are and, um, you know, people getting a glimpse into your life. So I did change the name and the account just grew from there, which was really kind of quite relieving <laughs> that people did go, oh, okay, I'm over this content now. Um, but I think because I, yeah, just really wanted to share what it was like, you know, living in the house and the other things that I, you know, get up to as well. And I think because I'd been so transparent in sharing, I think people knew that that content would still continue even though the house was finished. So cool. And so was that how you, you already had a background in interior design, before building the house, right? Yes. So I studied in 2012 when my my oldest um, child was a newborn and I did interior design for a few years, but honestly, I wasn't loving it as much as I do now. And it's so funny because once I got really clear on how I wanted my business to look, it really transformed when I first started out because I had a young baby at home, I didn't have as much time and the capacity to work on really big projects. So I did a lot of it online. I did a lot of um, e-designs for people interstate and overseas, which was really cool for the experience, but I just missed that human element. Like I really crave connection. And so the projects that I work on now, I'm like very, very heavily involved with my clients. So I only work with a few clients at a time because I'm so involved in that communication. So I actually stopped my business for a few years while I was raising my kids. And then a few years ago, I was like, I need to get back into this, but I need to do it a little bit differently. So yeah, once I got really clear on who I wanted to work with and what type of projects I wanted to work on, I really started to magnetize those dream clients in like so easily (laughs) once I got clear. It's so cool how that happens. And I don't know what that is, but it does feel like once you start it's almost like once you you kind of draw a line in the sand and go, all right, these are the people I do want to work with. These are the people I don't want to work with. This is who the type of person, the type of projects that I want to attract. It's amazing what actually articulating that does. Oh, it's so crazy. I mean, I'm so big on manifesting. I could talk about that subject for hours. And when you asked me to be on this podcast, it had only been a few days earlier that I'd actually said to a friend, I was like, I really want to be on Laura's podcast. I think I'll email her and pitch to her why I should be on the podcast. And then I actually responded to one of your stories to um, the podcast that you did with Samantha Wills. And then you messaged me back and you're like, I'd love to have you on the podcast. I'm like, it was that easy. But I think again, (laughs) just being really clear about, you know, who you want in your life or in your business space, and then you can just watch the magic happen. It doesn't mean that you don't have to work. Obviously, you know, you still have to have, you know, you wouldn't have approached me if I hadn't been showing up as myself anyway. But it's, yeah, just even in those instances, whether it's working yeah. with clients or just other people you want to collaborate with, yeah, getting getting clear on it just really attracts those people in. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And so in your journey, one thing I love that you're really transparent about and and this is, I guess this is part of your story, 
but you're a single mum running a business, you know, from the outside, it looks like, you know, you're kind of living in your dream home, you're building this beautiful and uh, Instagrammable home and, and it looks one way. And I know for a fact that often it looks one way, but it can be quite different yeah. behind the scenes. What is it actually like managing being a single mom and also running your business, but also really committing to grow your business? How do you actually balance those two things? And is that even a thing? Can you balance those two things? Yeah, I feel like there's so many ebbs and flows. Like at the moment, I've been developing my course. So there's been so many late nights working, you know, around the clock to get that finished. And because I am obviously separated, I am with my kids half the time. So in some ways, I feel like I've got two different lives when the kids are with me and when they're not. And I think the juggle comes from really being very mindful and being present when the kids are with me, because I'm the type of person that if I get a message or an email, I'm like, I, I don't want my to-do list to grow any bigger than it has. So I want to jump on it straight away. Um, so that's probably something that I you know, sometimes I feel like I'm doing really well at and other times I can get caught up in, you know, business mode and actually going, okay, stop, just be really, really present with the kids. Um, and yeah, you know, I guess with one thing I love about having my own business is that I do get to choose my own hours and I'm very transparent in my design proposals when I'm working with clients that because I'm creative, I could be super inspired at like 10 o'clock at night and I'll be working on your project. Um, but if it means going for a walk in the middle of the day or having a massage on a Friday afternoon, then if that's what sparks my creativity. So I'm definitely not someone that follows a routine. I'm definitely very fluid in the way that I work. And I think that works for me because I can work around my kids and go, okay, yep, they've gone to bed, but I'm just, I've got this idea or I'm feeling really, really, really creative. Um, and then that's when the late nights come in. So, um, yeah, it definitely is a juggle, but I think because I have so many different parts to my business that keep me really motivated and inspired, then I'm just excited to get stuck in. So yeah, it's definitely, yeah, yeah something that is, I juggle. <laughs> and I, I guess that's something that all parents, I guess, in business, manage and negotiate and and I think like I I've thought about this often like the idea of work-life balance when you're running your own business it's kind of a bit of a fallacy I I don't think it actually really exists yes (laughs) because as you say at 10 o'clock at night you're thinking about something to do with your business or Mm -hmm. a client or a project and and it really is actually like well that's part of the thing when you're passionate about something when you love something you work on it a lot and you think about it a lot and so uh, I think the distinction of um, someone I read somewhere they call it work-life integration where Mm. it's actually more about making the two things not feel so separate because we get so much value out of our work and we and we actually get a lot of our identities in our work as well especially as a creative right yeah so true also with you know my kids I think it's really powerful to let them see that business side of me as well so if I have something that I do need to get back to you know letting them know having you know them be okay to occupy themselves for a little bit and see me in work mode I think that's something for their future as well sort of seeing that yeah you know you are a mum but you have all these other things you can be multifaceted and multi-passionate and I think when my kids were little as I mentioned you know I focused on being a stay-at-home mum because I didn't feel like I could balance both sides of myself and I definitely lost myself in the process I definitely wasn't you know I always had that 
you know, I was always career minded, but I thought I, I can't juggle both. And I think that's been something that's been really good for my own, you know, my own sense of self to be able to do both things. And yeah, for my kids to sort of see the career. I mean, actually, my daughter, she's um, always wanted to be a vet. She's such a big animal lover. And now she wants to be a designer. I'm like, okay, well, she's, <laughs> you know, she's seen that side of me. And, you know, I've taken them to some of the projects. And obviously, they were very much present in the building of the house as well. So I think that's something for parents as well. It's like you don't have to hide that part of yourself away and feel like you can only work when the kids have gone to bed. Um, you know, it's really exciting for them to sort of see what you're involved in as well. And my son always says, oh, I'm really proud of you, mum. I'm like, oh, I love that. <laughs> wow. So Isn't that beautiful? And I, I love the idea of, I think it's really interesting because I think about when, when we have kids, I'm like, will I, I, honestly, I'm like, I don't know what I'll do. Like, I don't know if I'll, if I'll want to kind of totally take a step back or whatever I actually have no idea but I can totally see how if you've really worked hard for a long time to build your career then to then or to build your business or whatever then to go oh okay now I need to become this role as well or it's it's hard to imagine doing both and I think I love what you're saying about actually you can do both and it's really important for yourself your own identity to not lose yourself in the process of being an awesome mom, being an awesome parent. And I don't know, I think that's such a cool idea of actually you can, you can do both. Yeah. I think it's been such a yeah powerful thing for me as a person to really sort of develop that within myself. And I think, you know, I'm definitely a perfectionist and understanding that, you know, sometimes you just have to let the little things go, the things that don't matter yeah. too much and not getting caught up on, on little details. Like obviously, you know, when you're building the, a brand, there's so many things that are vital and are important. You can't drop the ball on, but there's other things that maybe I would have spent time on. You know, I mentioned to you earlier before we started recording about my website, I haven't had a website online for a year and, you know, I just, uh, I was like, I really need to get this out there. I went off Instagram for a couple of weeks um, earlier on the year and just it made me realise that I don't really have another digital home outside of that as well. And, and I yeah. just thought, you know what, you have to just get started. You just have to put something out there. Um, and obviously, you know, I did work with a really amazing team, but I think just sometimes letting go of the reins a little bit and actually looking at, you know, who can I help? Who can I ask for help? Um, who can I bring yep. in on something that I'm working on so I don't feel like I have to do everything by myself. So that's been really good for me. It's definitely as a creative sometimes you just want to be in control of absolutely everything. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's like, okay, you know. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, in your journey, like one thing you're saying about the website thing, what, what has been something along the way that you've realised, oh, I probably like – maybe that was a bit of a misstep or maybe I would have like in hindsight, I'd do that differently. What are some of those things that you think, oh, I'd do that differently next time? Yeah. So definitely hiring the right people. Um, you know, earlier on in my business, I worked with different people, didn't really do my research on them, got caught up in like a pretty feed and what they were inspired by and didn't actually look at their actual work. So unfortunately I did work with people and I had to cut the agreement, you know, partway through and lost my deposit. And, you know, that was a big learning curve. And I think it kind of gave me a little bit of fear as well, how I was speaking before about 
being okay with letting go those um, circumstances maybe okay no I just need to do everything myself because I can't give away creative control to other people because it doesn't actually work out so now I've had some really great experiences and I've, I've learned my lessons along the way to really make sure that the people that I'm hiring really understand my vision for my business and actually, you know, really, um, yeah, want to get to know me. And I love what you said before we started recording that you did your research on me before, you know, this podcast and actually wanting to get to know. And that, that's just the kind of people that you want to work with, the people that are genuinely interested in you and how they can help you elevate your business. It's not just, you're not just another client to them. So I'm grateful for those experiences because now I've hired some kick-ass people for my business. So it's um, definitely yes. been, yeah, it's definitely been something that was worthwhile. At the time, losing money is not great in, in a business when you're starting out, but yeah, do your research. Yeah, I love that. That's a, that's really good advice. So I want to get into some practical business tips because I know a lot of our audience are small business owners there. We have a lot of creatives in our podcast community. So, and, and you're kind of the creative queen. So I wanted to ask you when you started your interior design business, what were the non-negotiables for you? What do you think are the key things you have to get right from the beginning when you're starting a creative business? You know, I'm going to be really honest and say I didn't have these non-negotiables back then, but these are non-negotiables yeah. that I've implemented now. Um, and I just feel like getting to know or understanding who your audience is, who your clients are, who your customers are, and understanding your why is probably the most important thing that I think that anyone can do because you know, we can get caught up in feeling like the, the marketplace is very crowded. There's, you know, a lot of people doing similar things in our industry. And I think when you really hone in on who you're speaking to, whether it's, you know, an Instagram audience or your customers or your clients, it just changes the game completely. So I didn't do that back then. When I first started my business, I was, you know, keen for experience, keen to, you know, get some money coming in from my business. And even if, you know, that is a factor, which it is, you know, for most of us, I still think you can get really clear. So it doesn't mean that you're not going to, um, you're not going to turn down opportunities if you do need that experience. But I think if you have those non-negotiables in place at the beginning, like I'm going to know who I'm speaking to. So I can work towards working with those people. Um, you know, the direction that your business um, is going to take and understanding your why, you know, I love interior design. You know, I remember being a kid and changing my bedroom around all the time. Um, my parents hated me for it because it wasn't a big room <laughs> and <laughs> there wasn't a lot of space. And my dad could always hear me dragging my bed to like the two positions it would go in. Um, so I always <laughs> loved, you know, before and afters and makeovers and things like that. But, um, you know, when I decided to study, I didn't really think about my why apart from, you know, apart from that. Um, but now when I actually did get clear on why I wanted to, to, you know, be successful in this business and what it would mean for me and for the people that I worked with, um, again, you know, it was a, a big game changer that helped skyrocket my, my business. Yeah, that's so cool. And so one thing I've found, it, like, I love the idea of knowing exactly who your customer is. Have you found in your journey that you've niched down further like have you kind of when you started I mean it's kind of a thing of you take on whatever work you can get yeah. and you have your dream client but yeah you kind of take on whatever have have you niched down further and like how did you actually do that because a lot of people are like yeah you need to have a niche but sometimes it can be like oh am I going too small mm -hmm. 
is there enough of a market? Like how did, how did that kind of play out for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, so in the beginning, I specialised in kids' rooms. Obviously, I had, you know, a newborn baby, so I was excited by, you know, all of the cute baby things. Um, so I did yeah. niche down quite early on um, and there wasn't a lot of people in that space at the time. There was a few people, you know, specialising in kids' rooms but not too many. So I did that right from the beginning just because that was something that I was really, really passionate about. So I thought if I'm passionate about it, then that would really, again, help, you know, draw those clients in because it's like, okay, well, she's your go-to person or one of a few go-to people that I can um, work with for that. And then, you know, when I relaunched my business a few years ago, I had really defined my own sense of style I guess as a person and interiors and I just felt really confident that there was a market for me to work in that space in that you know sort of niche I call my style raw coastal luxe it's you know obviously very Mediterranean and bright and white and yet I think because obviously having my house as a as a showcase for that style as well clients you know that love that you know aesthetic then they I'm like, okay, I need to work with Kelly because she she knows that really well. Whether or not my style will change in the future, I don't know, but it definitely feels like my identity. And actually when I was building the house, one of my friends said to me when she saw the, the, the like the 3D render, she's like, you couldn't have designed a house that felt more you if you tried. So if it feel like it actually feels like an extension of my personality, you know, I'm pretty chilled and pretty, you know, pretty relaxed. And the house really feels like that as well. And that's generally the clients that I work with. Like most of my clients are very creative. And when I sat down and worked out, you know, or like really thought about the type of people that I wanted to work with, I love working with entrepreneurs and really helping bring their style into their physical space, whether it's a commercial project or whether it's residential, it's kind of like, okay, well, how can I draw the essence of them into that space as well? So I tend to work with people that already have a really good sense of style, but I help them, you know, do it in, in decor. That's so cool. That's so good. And so in like speaking again to these creative business owners, a lot of the time, and I don't know if you found this when you started your business, but a lot of the time, as creatives, we start our businesses because we're good at what we do. Like yeah. you're a great designer. That's that's why you started your business. But so they understand the technical element of the job. But then when it comes to the business side, they can feel quite overwhelmed. What are your top tips for actually nailing the business and financial side of your creative business? Like how do you negotiate that as a super creative person? Yeah, so I think when you're starting out, it is really powerful to get to know the, all the sides of your business. So understanding, you know, the financial side, like I used to just use spreadsheets. Now, you know, I'm a little, a little bit, you know, more advanced and, you know, zero and I have a bookkeeper and accountant and all of those things. But I think in the beginning, you know, don't be afraid to understand all of the sides of your business. You know, even if you're hiring a web designer, understand how your website works um, because then you can really, you know, I guess, think about what the opportunities are for your business. But then when you get to a point financially that you can bring in the right people, like bringing in a lawyer to, you know, draw up your contracts, you know, not feeling like you have to just pull it from templates or from Google, you know, hiring an accountant that understands your industry as well is really, really powerful. So I think, you know, get the knowledge that you need so that you can ask the right questions but then feeling okay with handing it over as well. 
I'm very big on streamlining my processes. I'm a minimalist at heart. So I think as well, like when you're, you know, developing something to, you know, ask yourself, is this really needed? Like, do I really need this step? How can, how can I simplify, you know, whether it's you're working with clients, whether it's like your onboarding process, or if, if you have digital products or, you know, a physical store, it's like, how can I make that customer experience easier and make the back end a lot easier as well? So kind of taking a bit of a bird's eye look at, you know, what you currently offer and how you can make it easier for yourself. And then I think, you know, really look at who's in your industry and just ask them questions. Like, what are you loving? Like, what systems do you use? Um, there's a lot of people out there that are really happy to share that kind of knowledge. Obviously, there's people that aren't as well, and that's okay if you get a no. But yeah, I think just, you know, integrating yourself, whether it's in your own industry or other people that you look up to and admire and just asking them some questions about, yeah, what's working for them um, and just getting that knowledge and then tailoring it to your own business. Yeah, that is so good. I, I love the idea of you need to understand the accounting side. You need to understand the money side, but it doesn't mean you need to do it all yourself. Yes. I, the amount of people that are like, oh, why would I outsource that when I can do it myself? It's like, well, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of think you're not, that's actually not allowing yourself room to grow and to think about, okay, what do I need to be doing? What are the core tasks? Me as the business owner and actually thinking of myself as like, I am the CEO of my tiny small business, Yeah, what what would the CEO be doing? They wouldn't be checking emails all the time. They wouldn't be actually, you know, the amount of times my husband, he looks after all of our accounting and finances side. We have an, a team of accountants, but he likes to have his handle across zero. And when I get stressed, <laughs> this is me when I get stressed and I want to complete tasks because I want to feel like I'm doing stuff. I'm still like, you know, I've still got momentum. I'll jump into zero and I will reconcile as many things as possible <laughs> to feel like I've ticked things off. Yeah. And it's actually so the other night he was like, Laura, you need, like we're, we're sitting down watching um, something, we're watching something on Netflix. And he's like, you actually need to just put the laptop down and just stop for a second. <laughs> actually, mostly because I was ruining his system, but I was like, I just want to feel like I'm achieving something. So the outsourcing thing can be hard when you have a propensity to be a control freak. Yes. Um, I'm raising my hand at myself for this. But, like, I think actually it's going – there are people who are experts and we mm -hmm. need to just trust them with the process, but we also can't just then go, all right, done, I'm going to close my eyes and hope for the best with yes. that. We still have to – have our eyes across it. Stay across um, it. It's so true. I was but not micromanaging. <laughs> I know. And sometimes it's like fancy pro procrastination. <laughs> it's kind of like, yes. I can just do this. Like I can just reconcile because I, I, you know, there's a big thing that I need to do and I don't know where to start with it. So this is easy, you know, check check my to-do list is getting small. Oh, <laughs> I was seriously, to, I was listening to a podcast the other day. Um, no, it was actually an ebook. So like a, an audio book and they were talking about this this very very successful man who, um, you know, had you know, um, a, yeah, a, like billion dollar business, and he had a printer that he needed to set up, and he spent total of thirteen hours trying to set up <laughs> this printer, and the person that you know, had written the book had asked him you know, what, why did you do that? And, you know, he was trying to save money. And the person who, you know, who was setting up the printer, I think he was charges a thousand dollars an hour to work with people. And it's like, okay, well, you just wasted a lot of money. And then he got someone at Airtasker that, you know, eventually set it up. And it's just, you know, you've got to think about how is my time best spent? You know, how is my time best spent? Yes, I might be trying to save money, but 
I could be developing other things in my business or working with more clients or bringing in more customers if I just outsource that. So it might, might seem like I'm saving money in the beginning, but if you can really look yeah. at the bigger picture and just, you know, make sure yeah. your money's well spent. And it's almost like you need to assign yourself an hourly rate and yes. go, all right, if I'm charging myself out at this rate, then me spending an hour reconciling in zero <laughs> because I'm procrastinating writing content or jumping on Instagram to actually post and not just be scrolling. You know, it's like if you thought about your hourly rate, it's depressing to yeah. think about all the random stuff that we do that it's like, ah, oh, why, why? Uh, like I can organize my Gmail account with all the tabs and I can spend a lot of time color coding that thing. And it's actually <laughs> like, Laura, you need uh, a hobby ASAP. Yeah, yeah. Like, honestly. <laughs> it looks so pretty. <laughs> I know it looks so nice. But uh, it's just, it, you know, anyway, anyone who has a hobby recommendation for me, let me know because I actually seriously need one. <laughs> um, but Kelly, I wanted to talk to you about your Instagram because mm-hmm. you've created this beautiful cult following. You've got this really beautiful community of people who follow you and love what you do. What's your secret sauce when it comes to Instagram? How have you created this? Uh, Time, a lot of time on Instagram. (laughs) I think it's really just being, um, you know, people always say, be authentic, be authentic. But I feel like I just love sharing and it just really love that connection you know it is obviously behind your screen you can access it anytime any place anywhere and I think that's you know just people love to see inside other people's lives like I love reality tv I don't watch normal tv very rarely watch Netflix or a movie but any kind of reality um, tv show I'm just like give it to me Um, so I think just (laughs) sometimes we think our lives aren't that interesting like I'm not that interesting and you know, I've mentored people before and they just think, oh, I don't really have anything to share. But, you know, there could just be something that you share about your day that, you know, someone following, you know, learns something from or they connect with you because they think, oh, I've read that book too or, you know, that's my favourite place to eat. It could just be something so simple that people just feel like they get to know you and they have that commonality between you and them. Um, so I think that's definitely part of it and I think just – you know, I'm, I feel like I'm raw and unedited. Like there's obviously parts of my life that I, you know, that I don't share. Um, yeah, but I think that people just, yeah, feel like they know me and they can ask me any question and I've got time for them as well. Um, I engage back, you know, with people all the time and, um, yeah, if I counted up how many hours I've spent answering DMs. But I have a little um, album on my phone and I've got over 50 messages from people that have, messaged me and told me about a story that's happened in their personal life that has been because of something that I've shared. Um, You know, I'm quite spiritual, so I do share that side of myself and just not really thinking about are people just interested in the interior design stuff, just, yeah, sharing who I am. And when I get those messages, I've had like so many goosebump moments thinking, wow, you just don't realise the impact that you have by showing up. Um, so I think, yeah, that's, that's probably the main thing. And I'm really transparent about, you know, what I'm working on and happy to share sources where I can as well. So I think people just, yeah, feel like I'm a friend. So, yeah, that's so cool. And how do you actually manage because you're busy and, you know, you're launching courses, you're mentoring, you're, you have clients that you're managing as well. 
and of course you have a family. How do you actually manage your time on Instagram? Do you have a system of like, hey, I'm going to check in at this point, I'm going to spend this much time on each day or do you have a system like that or is it more fluid? I think I really need to. I don't have any kind of system. (laughs) That is my fancy procrastination. (laughs) If there's something, like I feel like this year, I don't know what it is, but life admin and forms have been out of control. Like the amount of forms I've had to fill in for so many different things. So that's when I hop on Instagram. I'm not organizing my Gmail. I'm, you know, responding to people (laughs) when I'm putting off a task. So I think you know, I guess as my following grows, as my business and my business grows, I probably will have to be a bit more diligent with setting timeframes for myself. I do have a, um, like a time, like a downtime type of thing set up where it's, you can spend three hours. I can't, I can't remember what it's called. So I've set it to three hours sometimes depending on what I've been, you know, talking about, you know, if it's business related, then I'll just hit ignore for the rest of the day. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's definitely not something that I'm great at, but as I said, I really thrive on the connection. So a lot of the time it just really fuels me to go, oh my gosh, okay, that, you know, that really resonated with somebody. So it kind of makes me more, more motivated to show up online and um, yeah, yeah, just kind of share the day-to-day stuff. And that's, yeah, that's so cool. And on the, because you share a lot of your, you share a lot of value and you share a bit of your intel and your secrets and your processes. Why do you think it's important that you do that? And also like, do you get worried about people copying you? Like how, how do you kind of toe the line between this is for my paid clients and this is free content that's value adding? I think over the last few years, I've just, I wouldn't say I've mastered it, but I'm just so confident now in what I have to offer. And I think it's something that's developed over time. And I don't see that and say that in an egotistical kind of way, but we all have something that no one else has. And I think sometimes it's so easy to look outward and, oh, but they're doing that. And I had this idea and but no one can do it the way that you do. And I think that whether it's Mm. been, you know, like my, you know, my spirituality or something, but just being really clear on, um, I actually have a tattoo on the back of my neck, which I got a long time ago. And it says, I am who I am in Hebrew. And I think just, yeah, just really owning that and just being confident that, you know, if people do something similar, and obviously there are people that will directly copy and that is just it just sucks when people do that and they don't give you credit so I'm not downplaying that for people that it happens to but I think if you can share without that fear of it happening to you it's less likely to to happen I think by you know me sharing it kind of shows people that you don't have that have to have that scarcity mindset you don't have to feel like oh if I share this like um you know with my you know website that I've um, just launched you know, I shared on my stories and I think I even shared it in a post, like who my copywriter was, who my web designer was, where I had my photo shoot, who my photographer was, like all of the things, because even if someone hired that exact same team, they would still end up with a different result. One, because those people are professional and they would never kind of, you know, do exactly the same work for somebody else. But, you know, just by sharing it, it's like, okay, no, I'm, I'm comfortable, comfortable that I have something that my clients will want to hire me for just as your clients will want you'll have something that your clients will want to hire you for and you know all of our experiences in our past you know even 
you know, previous jobs, relationships, all of that kind of thing shape us to who we are. And, and I think the clearer that you can get on why you have something different different to offer, then you don't kind of have that scarcity. Yeah. And it's so cool because I know for you, you work with direct to clients and then you also work with other designers. So it's really cool to hear you say, hey, like I could teach them everything that I do, but it still wouldn't be the same. And there's still a, a space for like a Kelly-shaped space in the market in the yeah. same way that there is for the people that you're training as well. Yeah, it's so true. And like when I was developing my course, the very first module is all about, you know, your clients, figuring out who your clients are, what you have to offer, figuring out your why. And I wanted to cover that first before I went into the, I guess, the more technical, you know, side of things that I do, because I think if they can do that first, it's like, yeah, Kelly's given me all of these tools and I guess a bit of a roadmap to how she runs her business. But I think once they get clear on that in the beginning, it's like, yeah, but I want to bring me in to that. You know, I want to bring me into what, you know, I wouldn't word a certain, like I have all my email scripts, like how I respond, you know, to clients for, you know, different parts of the process. But I think by giving people that power in the beginning to kind of really own who they are, then they'll take what they want from it and inject more of them themselves into it as well. That is so cool. Finally, I want to finish on some rapid fire questions for you. And every time I do these, they're not really rapid, but anyway, <laughs> I say that every time, <laughs> but I'm going to make them rapid. Okay. What has been the most valuable investment you've made in your business? I think most recently hiring my web designer and my copywriter um, because I do so many different things in my business. You know, I do obviously work with clients. You know, I've got the mentoring side of things. I work with brands on collaborations as well. So I did want to pull that all together in a way that it didn't look like I was confused about what I was doing <laughs> um, because, you know, it is they all do all work together and it makes sense in my brain, but I didn't want people to come to my website and be like, oh, okay what is she doing? Like, why does she have all these separate arms of her business? So working with those people that really got to know me and my vision and, um, yeah, understand all the different ways that people can work with me was, yeah, really, um, yeah, just so valuable for my business and the way that it all came together was like, yeah, they actually nailed it. So um, I know we were speaking before about um, Elise, who you've had on your podcast as well. She is my yes. boss copywriter and yeah, she I just really got her. to know me and my tone of voice. And, you know, even when I read the, those words, it feels like I've written them because I, I think that's so important when you are working with someone, um, you know, on your copy, it needs to sound like you so that when you go and meet with a client, they're like, oh, this is exactly what I expected. <laughs> you know, they're not going to yep. be expecting someone else because of the language that you use. I'm pretty chill with my clients. Obviously, I'm professional. I really wanted that to come across in my copy. So, um, definitely an investment well spent. Yes. So good. What is the biggest piece of advice that you wish you knew when you started your business? I think, as I said before, just getting very clear on who I wanted to work with, um, would, would have been really, you know, special, <laughs> I think really, really valuable to kind of know that in the beginning, obviously it did give me a lot yeah. of experience. Um, so I'm still grateful for that, but if I could have my time again, I would have started, um, that at the very, very beginning as well. Just, yeah, knowing who I wanted to work with and the type of projects that I wanted to work on as well. Yeah. would have definitely moved things along a little bit quicker, but everything happens for a reason. So I think maybe I was meant to learn that way so that then I could teach other people, how to do it from the, from the get-go. Yeah, I totally get that. Okay, final question. If you met someone in business, who would it be that you would unashamedly fangirl over? 
Yeah. Gosh, Do you have I, a business crush? Yes, totally. I have a few, but um, the first one that springs to mind is um, Mariana Hewitt, who is one of the co-founders of Summer Fridays. I followed her for before she launched Summer Fridays and I just love how she's built her business around like community, like she connects with other people in her industry and from other industries. There's no... I don't know, she just does it in such an organic and authentic way. She just seems to like have all her shit together, which I really love. I mean, maybe behind <laughs> the scenes, like a lot of us, she, she may, maybe she doesn't. But, you know, I just feel like she seems like a really good human. Like she's obviously business minded, but I couldn't imagine her, you know, stepping over people to get to the top. She's still really supportive of other, yeah. you know, skincare lines, even though she has her own. And I just love, yeah, love that sense of community that there's a, a place for all of us as well. So, um, yeah, I think that she's so admirable and, yeah, I can't wait to see what she does next. So, Okay, I need to look her up. What did you say, Mariana Hewitt? Hewitt. Hewitt, okay, I'll send it awesome. to you. I'm going yeah. <laughs> to look her up. She sounds awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been so beautiful to chat with you. And as always, I feel like when we meet on Instagram, we, I feel like we know each other before we even meet. So it's always lovely to actually chat and hang out together. Where can people find you? Where can people follow you and, and hang out with you further? Yeah, so my Instagram is kellyhoward.co. My website has the same name and it's Kelly spelt with an E. And we spoke earlier, people always call me Kel Howard, which is totally fine, but it's Kelly Howard. <laughs> um, so I often get, you know, misspellings with my name. But um, yeah, that's where you can find me on Instagram or through my website. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. I will chat to you very soon. I appreciate it. Thanks, Laura. Well, there you have it. That is the play-by-play for this week. Be sure to check out our show notes to follow Kelly on Instagram, to check out her course behind the brand, and also check out her website as well. Music from today's episode is by the wonderful Jake Scott. You can listen to him wherever you listen to good music. As always, I hope that you have an amazing week. I will see you back here, same time, same place next week. Go get them.